Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And this week, you know what? I don't think football is even played in America anymore. It is not. <laughs> well, as of now, we have a game. We right? do have a game. We can preview yet another game. But we still haven't played one. Yeah, it's been a month. Let's jump into the dogs of the NFL because those games that actually were played. Well, well some, some of them, of I guess. <laughs> yeah, we'll start off. Uh, Jay Ferg, Justin Ellis, and Tremont Williams, all Baltimore Ravens, all may or may not play this week. That game keeps getting bumped back day by day. I believe at recording time, it's supposed to be played on Wednesday night. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think I think Ferguson's also on the uh, also on the list of of COVID um, positive players there in their outbreak. Yeah, he is. Oh wait, no, he came back from their COVID list. So nice. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah but meanwhile, uh, Jeff Driscoll uh, knocked out the entire <laughs> Broncos quarterback room with his COVID positive test due to contact tracing and everything like that, which again, a lot of Saints fans probably listen to this or a lot of people that listen to this are Saints fans. And, you know, there are worse things to complain about, I guess, if you're doing a sabotage move from the inside <laughs> from Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, the story there, I think, is Jeff Driscoll tested positive and the quarterbacks were all in their quarterback meeting together, not wearing masks, sitting around each other. So they were all, you know, close contacts that had to sit out of the game. That that happened on Saturday, I think. So basically, if those quarterbacks had been wearing their masks, they would have been able to play, but they weren't. So they all had to sit out and we got to watch a wide receiver go one for nine with two interceptions. So that was fun. If only he had worn his GTPDD mask. Yeah, Meek Robertson, mask or not, didn't play this week. That wasn't due to COVID or bye. He just didn't play on any snaps. And then we have Boston Scott, who's playing right now for the Eagles as we record this. So we'll have to see how he does later. But there are some Bulldogs that recorded some stats. Who else do we have on this list, Evan? Yeah, we got Trent Taylor, who had two punt returns. Uh, Vernon Butler with two tackles, including a tackle for loss. And... Xavier 100% snaps Woods, who had six solo tackles, four assisted tackles, and one pass defended. Um, Also, Ryan Allen is still not in the league because the Titans are dumb, apparently. Those are all pro are all pro punter just got elevated off IR. Oh, okay. Well, then that's okay. But the other last week was inexcusable, and you weren't on the podcast, so we didn't get to rag on the Titans. I do not want to go there. (laughs) Yeah, tell me what you feel about FedEx. But yeah, that's <laughs> underwhelming week for the Bulldogs, the NFL, but it's kind of been an underwhelming season from the NFL. So it is what it is. Real quick, jumping to the football game that's supposed to happen Thursday night. And at this point, I'll believe it when I see it. Tackle again, we'll try to play North Texas in Denton, I believe. Yes. Thursday yeah. afternoon at five o'clock. Uh, FBI yeah. gives Tech a 74% chance to win, which is up by 13% because about a month ago, Tech was only favored by 62%. Massey has Tech winning by three, 35-31, a 57% chance to win. Again, that's up a bit from the previous matchup that never got played. And Vegas, this time, instead of favoring North Texas by 1.5, favors Tech by three. So either North Texas has looked worse over time or Tech has looked better while they haven't been playing. Yeah, I think I think it's it's probably more column A. They they beat Rice 27 to 17. That was uh two weeks ago. But then this past weekend, they got absolutely <laughs> destroyed by UTSA, forty-nine to seventeen. Just and and we needed, we wanted North Texas to win that game because it would give us a really good chance to win 
the division, but now we have no chance at all, I don't think. But anyway, yeah, UTSA just, I mean, completely destroyed them. So they had their first three games of November postponed or canceled, just like we did. and Or maybe, maybe it was just two games, I guess. But they've played each of their last two weeks. Do y'all think that gives them an advantage over us, or is it an advantage for us to have not played for a month at this point? I don't think that there's ever an advantage when you haven't played football in a month. Yeah. So, but is them getting smoked by 30, 32 points an advantage for them? Or are they going to be demoralized coming out? You know, I wouldn't say demoralized. I mean, UTSA is a, is a good team. They at least should win conference USA West and go to the title game. But to me, it's more or a thing where it's easier to say, Hey, look, we're playing the team who hasn't played in a month <laughs> and, and be more excited about that and try to win a game when this, yeah. this season's just, just plain gone to shit. So <laughs> I'm taking a lot of the mental stuff out of the game when it comes to this, because there's so many things going on where you have to worry about COVID and testing and family members who may have it, especially when even outside of football right now, the numbers haven't been great in terms of COVID. So there's, there's a lot of things that are impacting the mental side of, of this sport to a point where I feel like you can't give one team an advantage over the other because there's just so many moving pieces. Well, it's about that. It reminds me of that old adage, 90% of the game is half mental. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it's an advantage either way, right? It's, it's going to be really tough for us coming out, shaking rust off again at this point in the year when it's like, this might be our last game. It is our last game that's scheduled right now, but we might get another game. We might be in the conference title game. Probably not. We might get a bowl game. Who the hell knows, right? Like, it's going to be really hard for for our guys to mentally be there, I think. But I'm also not sure about North Texas, you know, coming off of their last two games and really their last game against UTSA where it's kind of a rivalry and they just, I mean, they were barely even on the field, right? So... But I think I think Tech mentally will, will at least be hyped up to play because it's like if we actually get to line up, right? These guys have had games taken out from under them like two days before kickoff, five days before kickoff. You know, they, they faced both kinds like where the whole week, you know, you're not playing and then you're gearing up to play the whole week and it gets snatched out from under you, right? So hopefully if we get to play, these guys will be ready to play, right? They'll They'll come out, you know, bring some juice to the field, but I don't know. At this point, I'm like, what, what percentage do y'all think this game actually gets played? Like, where are you at? I'm at 70-30. It doesn't happen. Uh, uh, I thought your full answer was just going to be, huh? Well, I feel like that's a proper response if someone asked me to summarize the entire season. But I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't really want to guess. I want the game to be played, so I'm just going to think happy thoughts. Fair enough. I have no reason to suspect that it's going to be canceled. I'm just like that pessimistic at this point. I was about to say, I'm kind of the opposite. I would think 70-30 that it does get played only because that's fewer days between now and then. Fair enough. But yeah, my my answer to the question, though, would have been 70-30 that it does get played. There's less time. North Texas has played a few and have been good in the past. Skip Holtz was talking about in his press conference before the FIU game. I believe it may have been the ULM game. When you don't play these games, they all kind of run together. The Tech is as healthy as they've ever been, both with COVID and with injury. So lots of things can happen in a week, as as we've seen throughout this season, when, especially when it comes to coronavirus. But I have a good feeling that this game actually gets played, and I hope it does. But I also hope that, more importantly, the tests are negative because I don't want people to get COVID. Right, right. Getting yeah, so COVID. 
anyway, let's. Uh, we we already previewed this game and went into our players to watch and all that crap a few weeks ago or a month ago. Uh, so if you missed that episode, you can go back and listen to who we think you should look out for and all that. But we're just gonna wrap this up with you know what make our make our final predictions and give some thoughts about the game if you have any. Uh, so Nathan, why don't you start us off? What do you think is gonna happen? Yeah, I'm not as optimistic as the polls that have swung the other way, the FPI, the even Vegas that have gone from a slight North Texas edge to a, a decent tech win on the road in North Texas. What I'm most concerned about and what we've been concerned about all year when the games have actually been played is the left tackle position in Donovan Campbell. And he opted out as we talked about last week. That's, that's scary because that's been a weak point. And if, he's gone, then what do we have behind him that's able to play that position for this game or maybe two to close out the end of the year? So I am I am very worried about the blocking schemes and giving whichever quarterback we have or if we've added a new one just off the screen <laughs> in the past month because why not? Or the Justin Tucker, not Justin Tucker, <laughs> Israel Tucker, wrong, sport, <laughs> wrong team. I, we were talking about Ravens so much, I've started thinking about former Ravens players. Yeah, the Israel Tucker run game without the other guy in the backfield without Justin Henderson back there and getting Greg Gardner some more snaps and getting maybe Dixon in the game for a two a player to the true freshman. Those are positions where it's going to hurt tech for those players to be gone. I mean, Hardy as well. We talked about him before, oh, too. Yeah. but I'm, I'm worried about He's the players done. that. Yeah. yeah. Hardy Henderson and Campbell all declared. Henderson has absolutely no shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love we you. He'll be the only one that makes it. Yeah, Justin, you're the <laughs> becomes a Hall of Famer. Hall of Fame yeah, career. In both the NFL and CFL. Comes on our podcast in 30 years and dunks on Matt. <laughs> yeah, gets drafted by the Saints, runs for 2,000 yards his first year. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I that's kind of a silly. I, Hardy's a long shot, too. UTSA people, seem very, when I was talking to them, seemed very high on him getting drafted. But we'll, we'll get to all the drafting stuff later. But I think what for this game in particular – what I'm worried about is those departures and what they mean for this team, especially blocking when that's been a struggle for tech all year. We finally have some sort of rhythm in the last two games that we played and then a huge roster shakeup that impacts a lot. And if a player or two is out with contact tracing on that O-line, that's it's even more scary. So my final prediction is actually, I don't think tech wins this game. I think because North Texas has momentum going in where they've played some games in a row, they, they figured some stuff out yeah, they haven't looked great, but Tech is going to struggle for at least a quarter and a half. And even when they get things together, who knows how well that's going to be. So I think North Texas wins this game by one. I'll go with that original Vegas line. <laughs> I'll say 21 to 20. Mm. Wow. What a traitor. What are your thoughts, Evan? Yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying about the left tackle position. That is uh, definitely scary, especially given what we saw earlier this year when Campbell uh, had to miss some time. Um Due to, due to contact tracing and everything. But I'm looking at North Texas's stats here. They don't really have a, a true sack threat on the defensive line. They've got two defensive linemen that have more than one sack. Devontae McCray has one and a half, and Dion Novel has two and a half. They do have some linebackers that have three, um, so Tech will need to watch out for the blitzes. But, I mean, I don't know. I so I'm scared about the offensive line, but it's not like we're playing UAB this week, right? And they, you know, win by dominating the line of scrimmage. I'm, I am very excited, like you said, 
I hope we get to see Harlan Dixon in the game now that we're missing a guy in the running back room. And, you know, hopefully we get to see a guy like Kyle Maxwell step up at wide receiver in place of Hardy. That would be really cool to see. I think George Scott might be back too. I'm not 100% sure on that, but, you know, it'll, it'll be cool to see like who steps up in their place. I think North Texas is just plain bad, man. They, they're, I mean, UTSA is good. Yeah, but we should have beat North or we should have beat UTSA and we lost because of our offensive line issues, right? But we lost by one and North Texas just lost by 32. And I just, I don't know. The fact that we haven't played in a month is hard to deal with, but we've been practicing the whole time. We've been preparing for games, going through game week. And I think our guys are just really going to want to be out there on the field. And, you know, they're just going to want it more. That's oh, what brutal, I'm saying here. Brutal. Um, <laughs> no, but but I, I do think that, you know, I think that Tech is a better team, at least on paper. And, you know, the fact that they've played seven games and haven't figured out their quarterback position because it's been awful makes me feel okay about this. Like, that, I think uh, our friend NTSN the other day tweeted out a, a flow chart of quarterback decisions, and it, it was just a round circle where it was like, start Austin, I don't know how to say his name, Aoni? On Oni, okay. It's like start Oni. Oni does bad. Put in Bean. <laughs> Bean <laughs> does bad. Put in Oni. <laughs> it's just like, well, at least we don't have that problem. Like both of our quarterbacks have at least been decent, right? And that's why we haven't made a decision. But anyway, I'll say Tech wins thirty-four to twenty-three. All right. How about you, Matt? We're gonna win forty-two to seventeen. All right. I like it. Optimism from Matt. Who would have thought? God. <laughs> All right. And while Matt found Jesus, the Lady Texters also found some W's this year, which were kind Brutal. of hard to come by in the previous campaign. Tech beat both McNeese and just now, as we watched before the episode, before we started recording the episode, Grambling. One game was much easier than the other. Evan, how did that uh, <laughs> quote unquote basketball game go? against McNeese. Yeah, uh, you know how we talked about consistency and that was what we really want to see from the Texters? Uh, well, they beat McNeese 90-45. to 45, Literally double your score there, McNeese. Brutal. And, I mean, it was... Yeah, to call it a game is is kind of questionable. Uh, Tech opened on a 22 to nothing run. McNeese scored one basket in the first quarter and Tech led 28-2 to after the first quarter. Tech was really playing sound defense. They were daring McNeese to shoot from outside, and McNeese just could not make a shot. I, I have in my notes here that I took while watching the game. I just, I just wrote McNeese is terrible. <laughs> like they're just so bad. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean the the Texters were driving the lane really well. I mean, really, if you're winning ninety to forty five, everything worked for you. So I don't know how much I need to go into details here but all of the freshmen on the team got pretty decent minutes uh tyler jackson got the start and played 19 robin lee played 20 and irene murua actually played the most uh minutes on the team with 25 so and then also every texter scored points in the game so i mean come on it's complete domination uh we shot 47 percent from the field 26 percent from three and we out rebounded mcneese 51 to 36 and forced 10 more turnovers from the cowgirls so i mean like i said just complete domination and i don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on this game or if we should just move on no we beat them up pretty good yeah 
And then yeah. are we covering, you want to cover Grambling now or? Yeah, let's go do Grambling now since we just watched that one. Tech won that game 79-69. Nice. Wow. So nice because it was the closing score. It, it was a sloppy game throughout. I I wasn't able to watch all of it. I saw it towards the end, but it looked like a game where Grambling wouldn't go away, which when you're playing a team that's ranked as low as Grambling was going into this game, you kind of thought Tech would make it as easy as they made the McNeese game. Evan, you provided in the notes that Tech had 22 turnovers in this game. Ooh. That's yeah. rough. I mean, Grambling had 24, so there's, <laughs> there is that. Uh, 46 turnovers combined. Okay, yeah. Ooh. So when you wrote sloppy in all caps in the notes, you were, you were really yeah, emphasizing was, that word. Yeah, for, for both teams. I mean, I, I don't know. Tech shot 43% from the or 44% from the field. Grambling shot 43. They were really hot at one point. Tech had a 10-point lead early in the uh, second quarter, I think. And Grambling then hit, like, their next seven field goals. So it's like, I mean, what what are you supposed to do, right? Like, Cry. if they're hitting all their shots. And, and it wasn't like Tech was leaving them wide open every time. There were some breakdowns, but it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as that sounds. And Grambling was just sinking their shots. But, yeah, I mean... Late in the second half, Grambling had a five-point lead, so this could have gone the other way. Um, looks like the Texters, kind of while we were talking uh, here, yeah, they they finished the game on a twenty-one to ten run in the first, fourth quarter. So that's uh, there's a difference right there because I think they were trailing going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, in case you forgot from last week, this Grambling team was not very good. Uh, McNeese <laughs> was ranked three hundred and fifty-second in the country. Grambling was three hundred and forty three hundred and forty-fifth. So there's what 355 schools. I think we looked that up last week. My God, women's Division One basketball. Yeah. These are two of the worst teams anybody could possibly play. Tech plays another 300 level school in ULM in a few weeks, and so they'll get another whatever the opposite of a challenge is. I mean, again, hopefully, because this Grambling game was in doubt throughout much of it. Well, yeah. so if the if the Texters are kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde situation here, like every let's say every other game. Next up, we play Texas, who's really, really good. But it's going to be the good Texters that play them. So maybe maybe we have a chance. And then whatever is our next game, ULM, or is that? So we no, have Texas, then Jackson State, and Jackson Arkansas State. Pine Bluff, which are both in the 250 to 300. Playing a lot of HBCUs this year. Really yeah, I think it's all the men's team schedule from the past few years. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So short travel distance, things like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I think again, uh, Tech won by three games, though, so you can't be too mad about it if you're a Texters fan. Yeah, and and I mean one of one of my key takeaways is that these freshmen are gonna they're gonna be impact players for the Texters, right? Tyler Jackson started both of these games. She's a true freshman, so her first name is Tyler. Yes, it that's is. a new one. Well, okay, rock on, Tyler. Yeah, let's see. What did she do? Oh, she didn't start the second game, but she played a bunch of minutes. Um, just scored two points though. So I don't know, but Robin Lee plays the point guard uh, whenever um, Ginto is out. And so, and she's been doing a pretty good job. So, I mean, we'll see, you know, that's the Texter's motto, I guess. We'll see. I don't know what I just watched both games. Cause the first game I was like, wow, this team is really good, but it turns out McNeese is just real <laughs> bad, but What's yeah, up? that real good team shows up when this week they'll travel to Texas. Like you said, who are ranked number 25th. It's The game will be on the Longhorn Network. Massey gives them a 5% chance to win, a 20-point spread, 79-59 final score prediction. Texas has beat North Texas and SMU. They're also, I guess, staying local in the state, playing these games. Yeah, it makes we can, sense. We can, 
we can make a prediction about how this week will end after we talk about men's basketball for a second because men's hoops also had a couple of clutch wins this week. I say clutch. They're not they're normal wins. I guess. <laughs> they were over some not great teams, but wins are wins, and that's all that really matters. UT Arlington and Northwestern State. UTA, the final score, Tech won by five, 76-71. Northwestern State was a little bit less of a squeaker. 91-77 to was the final score. Evan, how'd that UTA game go? Yeah, um, sorry to be talking so much, everyone, but I think I'm the only one that was sitting around at home waiting for COVID results, able to watch <laughs> all this, all the tech action this week. But yeah, the starting five were, were Isaiah Crawford, Stacey Thomas, Kobe Williams, Amori Archibald, and Caleb Ledoux. And unfortunately, I mean, you want to come out shooting hot, right? To start the season on the right note. And Tech, uh, here's here's how Tech decided to start the season. Kobe missed a layup. Kobe turned it over. Triple A missed a three-pointer. Crawford missed a layup. Thomas missed layup. Crawford missed three. Ledoux turnover. <laughs> Lofton missed layup. And then finally, at 16.05, Triple A makes a three-pointer for Tech's first points of the season. So uh, pretty rough there. I don't have a count on how many possessions that is without a point, but it's a lot. And then immediately following that, Tech hit another three-pointer to to bring the score to 6-6, and then no one scored for another three minutes. So it was a really fun game for like the first seven and a half minutes. It was 6-6. to Yeah, just, just rough basketball from both teams, really. But, you know, the rest of the half, Tech was able to build up a little bit of a cushion, partially because UTA couldn't shoot the ball from outside. Uh, and Tech was doing a pretty good job of defending the the lane as well. So at halftime, Tech was leading 38 to 28, which was their largest largest lead of the game up to that point. Yeah, and then the second half started, and the Bulldogs kind of just they started back off where they left off. They built up to a 48 to 32 lead with 15:30 left in the half after a couple of threes from Kobe and Ledoux. But then UTA started to heat up. Basketball is a game of streaks. This happens, and he just kind of hoped to hold them off. Sam Griffin had a really ugly windup for his shots, but they were falling for him. Yeah, I mean, this dude, like, like jumped and then, like, flailed forward to shoot the ball. It was just one of the dumbest-looking shots I've ever seen, but he made, like, three of them in a row, I think. So it's just like, what the hell? If a Shaq free throw is a 5 out of 10, where do you rate this? If a Shaq free throw is a 5 out of 10? Yeah. Oh, my oh God. My God. <laughs> what, what, is this worse or better than a Shaq free throw is what I'm saying? Uh, man, that's, I don't know. Because he, like, jumps in straight up in the air and then, like, flails his arms forward and his legs <laughs> forward at the same time. I don't know. I'd probably give it a 3 compared to a 5 for a Shaq free throw. So. Amazing. The only time that's ever been rated a 5, I guess. My God. <laughs> Shaq would be humbled. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome, Shaq. Yeah, but while UTA was shooting those awkward three-pointers that still count for three points, Tech went really cold. All of a sudden, the Bulldogs were down to a four-point lead at the eight-minute mark. And from that point forward, it was pretty much back and forth. It was 73-69 with a minute and a second left. Then UTA starts to foul. So, yeah, Evan, and- take me through the end of this game. Yeah, the- <laughs> so... So they fouled Isaiah Crawford, who to this point had had a really, really bad game. He had no points. Um, he goes to the free throw line and makes both free throws. Wow, great. Uh, those ended up being his only points of the night, though. So Tech's back up to a six-point lead. UTA goes down to the other end of the floor and misses. Uh, Crawford grabs the rebound, gets fouled, and then misses the front end of a one-and-one. One. So 
a little PTSD from last year, maybe guys coming up here, but uh, luckily UTA takes the ball, goes down and misses a shot, but they get fouled and they make both of their free throws, of course, to bring it back down to a four point lead, 75, 71 with 25 seconds left tech inbounds the ball to Caleb Ledoux who gets fouled and misses the front end of a one and one UTA then takes it down the court and misses again, but gets an offensive rebound, then misses again. Pemberton grabs the rebound and gets fouled, and he misses the front end of a one-and-one. So that's that's six points we've left potentially out on the court. Uh, But he grabbed his own rebound, got fouled, and then makes the free throw. Then UTA missed a three, and the game was over. So luckily, UTA missed their last, I think, one, two, three, four, uh, five shots, but and Tech held on for a five-point win, so it could have been very different if UTA was going down and actually hitting these shots. So other teams won't be so generous when we miss three one-and-ones in a row. So we need to, I don't know what it is, just have each guy shoot a 1,000 free throws every practice or something? I don't know. Yeah, uh, Tech's free throw percentage on the night was 64.7. To compare last year when Tech was ranked 312th in the league, their three-point shooting was Two points higher, 66.4%. This was not a great night from the charity stripe, even more than just late in the game. I guess another way to look at it, though, is that UT Arlington, their largest lead of the night happened within that first four minutes when they were up 6 nothing. They never led by six again. But Tech, it felt, really tried to blow this game late. It also didn't help that a lot of players were just cold. Looking at what Ken Palm calls the offensive rating of some of the Tech players, someone like Isaiah Crawford was given a score of 25 which is, I've never seen a player given a t- score of 25. Is that out of 100? It's not out of 100, but it's, I would say 100 is a, you're having a very good night. Uh, for, oh, okay. for example, Tech's MVP for the night, uh, Jacoby Pemberton was given a 161. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Andrew Gordon was given a 166 in his limited appearance. A lot of the players are in the 80s, 70s, 90s, that kind of re- region. Meanwhile, for UTA, uh, they had fewer players actually play and play enough minutes to get this score but they had five players with over 100 offensive rating and then another with 97. So Tech, I felt like, was carried maybe by Pemberton against oh, yeah. UTA. And meanwhile, UTA's whole thing was more of a, a team game when it comes yeah. to how everything went down. I mean, this game was interesting. I thought Pemberton was the best player um, on the on the court for Tech. He came off the bench and had a double-double, um, which you will hear again in this episode. So... I think Jacoby Pemberton is probably the best player for Tech through two games. Um, in this game, he shot seven for nine from the field, three for three from three-point range, 12 rebounds. So he scored 19 points in just 27 minutes of action. So um, he was playing mostly in the four. He did play some in the five I saw on Ken Palm as well. And he really did set, uh, step up down the stretch. He did miss that one and one. But with about four minutes left, Tech was only up by one point. He went in for a layup and got fouled and made the free throw so that he got an and one and then followed that up immediately with a three-pointer to stretch it out to a seven-point lead. So um, he's a very, very good player. And if he can keep that up, especially if he keeps coming off the bench, I don't know if that's the plan for him the whole season or what, but if he plays like that, he's going to be the sixth man of the year in the conference. Like that's, he's got two double doubles in two games. So like, that's pretty awesome. Other than that, Tech kind of, played Kobe Williams, Amori Archibald, and Caleb Ledoux for most of the game. And then 
really rotated the four and the five most of the night. Andrew Gordon, who is apparently coming off of a concussion, so he didn't play much because he hasn't practiced much. Um, he played 11 minutes in this game, and in this game, he dominated UTA's smaller guys. He, he played 11 minutes, um, and he scored 14 points on six for seven shooting from the field. So we were working the ball inside to him, and he was making his shots in this game, and he can really take over a game when he's on. So that was nice to see. And then my only other thought was that the freshman Junior Lofton, it's Kenneth Lofton Jr., but I think he goes by Junior, played 12 minutes, and he looked pretty good even if it didn't show up on the stat sheet. I was excited to see him get some time um, after Gordon. You know, with Gordon not playing that much and with Stacey Thomas not very good in this game, it was nice to see another option at the five for sure. Yeah, I have some thoughts about him in the Northwestern State yes, game that we're about indeed. to jump to. So let's go ahead and go there. Again, Tech beat the Demons 91-77. to Same starting five as they had in the previous game. Another game that started out a bit slow, but not as slow as the UTA Marv- Maverick game did. Both teams were taking some long shots. The first six shots were either threes or long twos because their foot was on the line. Yeah, I mean... NSU was really limited to shooting long range shots because tech was not letting them break their zone and get into the paint at all. I actually noticed about three minutes into the game. I was like, I don't think NSU has carried the ball into the paint at all yet. And so I started paying attention. And the first time uh, they, they touched the the paint was 14 minutes and 30 seconds left. And it was kind of, it wasn't even like a drive to the bucket. It was just a drive. And then he, he pulled up for like a seven foot jumper, not, not a layup or anything. So tech was doing a great job keeping them out of the paint, um, especially early in the first half. Yeah, which is odd because they have a six foot nine player on that team. They have a six foot seven starter on that team, but they really play a small ball approach is at least how it looked in this game. There was a lot more of the first half of the back and forth between the two teams. Tech never really doing enough to really pull away from the Demons, really just allowing way too many offensive rebounds in Northwestern State. And while the Demons couldn't score on the inside part of the paint, they did hit some threes, finally, because I guess if you just put up enough shots, (laughs) some eventually fall. Tech turns the ball over quite a bit in this game, really making that first half closer than it should have been. And Tech only led by five at the half. But in the second half, uh, Tech couldn't get anything going. Starting off slow to start a half, what's new with this Bulldog (laughs) basketball team? The offense was sloppy and just lacked any sort of consistency. And Northwestern State kept getting second chances via those offensive rebounds, those pesky, pesky offensive rebounds. But then luckily, NSU just went cold as hell, right? Yeah. I mean, they just stopped hitting shots basically for a while. And Tech was able to go, it was 42 to, or 52 to 48 with uh, about 15 minutes left in the game. And then Tech went on a 15 to four run over the next six minutes. Um, and they did it really with some great plays by Junior Lofton. And I know we're going to talk about him a little later, but he had like two spin moves. And this dude, I don't know if you haven't seen this guy. He is he is beefy. Like he's a big <laughs> dude. I don't know what his what he's listed as on the roster, but like he's uh, according to ESPN, he's six foot seven, two seventy five. He's a big old dude. Yeah, maybe Skip can borrow him for the offensive line this week. Put him in at left tackle, see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, but because he's athletic, man. He he had these two spin moves where, you know, it didn't look like there was anything there. And he just spun right out of it. And one of them was a fall away jumper. 
The other one, he went straight to the bucket with it. And man, this kid is good. I'm excited about him for sure. Yeah, I'm curious what happens once teams start seeing that on tape and try to adapt to it. But he's six foot seven. You, if you had told me he was the tallest player on the team or six foot ten like Andrew Gordon is, I would have believed you. He yeah. doesn't play like he's three inches shorter than Gordon. It feels like when you have the, have him out there at the five or at the four sometimes, because sometimes it's hard to tell depending on how Tech plays these uh, offensive alignments, he looks taller than he is and he plays taller than he is. Uh, maybe it's jumping, maybe it's something, but it. I'm very excited to see him play some more games as the season goes along. He ended the night with only six rebounds, which ties for second among the team in this game. It wasn't just how how he shot the ball. It was the way that the offense ran with him on the floor. We always had the option to loft it over the top and, you know, and he would make something happen. He's got very, very good hands. And I mean, just to give you some insight from the Blue Tech Blue Forums, Ben is basically trying to force somebody to tell him who's been a better scoring threat inside. And it's only been two games. So uh we're, we're excited about this kid um if you haven't watched him yet you're gonna be you're gonna be impressed when you do get to see him yeah but i don't think we've talked about the end of the game yet even no, though we it haven't. doesn't end up being that close where we last left off it was just beginning in the second half with 14 55 remaining tech was up by four 52 to 48 then tech went on a 15 to 4 run over the next six minutes and then after that, the closest it got was nine when it was 82 to 73 with three minutes left. Uh, the three ball just stopped working for Northwestern State. Again, live by the three, die by the three. Sometimes you die by the three. And when they tried to get inside, the Bulldogs just kept them from being able to score. So Tech again ends that game at 91 to 77. The Bulldogs were 52% from field goal range on the night. 47.8 from deep and 81.3% from the charity stripe. 81.3. Yeah. Can we get more of that, please? Please. Yeah. For reference, last year, the NCAA average was 70.8. So let's uh, let's keep shooting foul shots and making them go in the hoop, please. And thank you. Yeah, five steals, forced nine turnovers on the night and 13 total turnovers for Tech. Seems like turnovers may be a, a little bit of an issue for the Bulldogs in this early part of the season, but sloppy play is probably a little expected when, again, a COVID year practices, yeah. who knows what's happening with them. And and we miss those like early games against, again, like Arkansas Bible College and stuff like that, right? That, that really help you tune up as a team. Um, you also haven't had, apparently they haven't done any of the like inner squad scrimmages and stuff like that, that they normally would do. So I mean, everybody's going to be a little rusty out there, but luckily we were not rusty enough to lose, I guess. I don't know if I said that right. But we'll see when I go to edit it. Yeah, let's talk about some <laughs> interesting performances or some some player thoughts about how Tech has done to start the season. Uh, we talked a lot about Junior Lofton. He had 19 minutes, played really well, as, as we just mentioned. Five for nine from the field, six for seven from free throws. That's a good one. 16 points, six rebounds. Drew Fowles had those spin moves that Evan was talking about only yeah. a few minutes ago. And he's he's a freshman, right? Yeah, true freshman. That's I cannot wait to see this guy play at tech for several years. Yeah, and, and he did he did play 12 minutes in the first game too. He just 
he, the stat line wasn't as good. It was one for four from the field, two for two free throws, but uh, five rebounds. And, you know, but he like in flashes, he looked good. But Andrew Gordon really, really looked good at the five in that game. So one of the things I'm interested in is, you know, once Gordon is back up to speed, is he going to be the guy at the five? And then Lofton might play the four or might, I mean, I don't know, Pemberton's at the four most of the time, I think. So I'm not really sure where Lofton fits in if Gordon comes in, but is somebody going to win this job or is it going to be center by committee the whole season? I mean, Gordon had an issue last year with personal fouls and he didn't have any against UTA, but against Northwestern state, he played three minutes and had two personal fouls. Yeah. And they both came like on back-to-back drives. He got an offensive foul and then a a defensive foul and then was pulled out of the game for pretty much the rest of the night. Uh, and I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that's kind of been his game the whole time he's been on campus and Ruston. He's going to get three or four fouls if you play him all game. And if you play him long enough, he's definitely going to foul out. So having someone like Junior who can come in oh, yeah. and play that five spot when Gordon's uh, on the bench sulking about <laughs> how he barely touched the guy, then that seems like a very, very good place to be if you're a Bulldogs fan. Good yeah. real quick anybody else you want to talk about from this northwestern state game yeah i mean again jacoby pemberton got a double double off the bench the dude's been our best player so far uh the most well-rounded player we have for sure i would say that his uh his performance against uta was a little better but uh he scored 14 points and had 11 rebounds so that that counts i think la tech sports report had a thing about him being the only tech bench player since 2010 or something to, to have two double doubles in a row or something. I don't know, something like that. And also we should mention Ledoux is currently leading the team um, in points per game. He scored 23 in this game. Um, so I think he's at 18 points per game. And then Crawford really made up for his bad performance against UTA by going seven for 12 from the field, 19 points and four assists. Um, so good stuff from him. And then the only other thing I had was that, Amori Archibald had a pretty pretty rough night. He scored three points on one for eight shooting from the field, and that's uh that's pretty bad. So yeah, luckily that that one shot was a three pointer, but yeah. that is awful. I, we thought coming in that he would be the best player on the team, and it's okay if he's not, uh, and it's okay for him to have a bad game. But I think against the better teams on this schedule, we will absolutely need him to be at his best, and we haven't seen that yet. Uh, this season and I'm not really worried about it after two games to start out a weird COVID year and he had 12 points against UTA so it's not like he scored three points in both games but you know we'll definitely need him to get up to speed uh, for sure against when we get into conference play especially. And I talked about offensive rating a second ago in the Northwestern State game the Ken Palmstadt offensive rating uh, every player that played more than five minutes was given an offensive rating so Stacey Thomas and Andrew Gordon we're not given one, but everyone else except for Maury Archibald were given, was given a score of at least 113. Uh, the MVP for the night was Cable to do mostly because of the four from four for five from deep shooting, which I mean, that's yeah. great. But Maury Archibald had a score of 42, Oof. the worst player on either team for the night. Ouch. But I, you have a bad day. I forget the rest of the song. Take but, one down, sing a sad song, just turn around. Like, <laughs> Think, I, I am glad we paused for that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Tech won this game easily. And when you can have a very good player, have a very bad night and still win convinc- convincingly, that's the sign that you may have something special. 
And Tech will hope to prove that they have something special this week when they take on ULM, which, you know, you won't really prove anything there. But then they travel to LSU. <laughs> well, let's uh, talk about that Monroe game first. ULM has yet to play anybody. So there's not a lot we can look at in terms of what they've done well or who their key contributors are. They're ranked 240 in Massey, 265 in Ken Palm. Uh, one note I do want to make about that team, though, is last year, the 2020 season, they had a player, Michael Ertel. He's a junior, I believe, guard. He played 95.6% of the minutes. Wow. Oof. He played nearly every second that ULM played a basketball game last year. He There's only one player in the country that played more percentage of their team's minutes. Wow. And he was a he was a good enough player, I guess, but that immediately caught my eye. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, this should be a win. <laughs> they're they're about between where UTA and Northwestern were in terms of ratings in both Massey and Ken Palm. So we beat both of those teams and didn't look our best. So hopefully we'll improve and and you know beat ULM by even more. Yeah, the polls agree with you. FBI gives Tech a 93.1% chance to win. Ken Palm, just a little lower, 86% chance to win. Final score prediction, 76 to 64. Massey, somehow lower than that, 80% chance to win. <laughs> 74 to 65 final score prediction. But if we're complaining about an 80%, then I I feel pretty good about this one. Yeah. You think we're going to lose this game, Matt? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not now that i've said that we'll lose and uh yeah of course by a tremendous margin and then if we lose to monroe i'm a little scared of what will happen down in baton rouge lsu is one for one on the season they beat siui s-i-u-e forget what that stands for <laughs> and lost to st louis which is actually Wait, they're a pretty good team this year so- southern illinois university at edwardsville i've oh, already edwardsville? forgotten i thought it was it is edwardsville Evansville is in Indiana, isn't it? Fuck you, Evan and Evansville. Evans That's just jealous of the town name. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm, I'm messing around. Yeah, Ken Palm has LSU at the 43rd best team in the country. St. Louis is 42nd, and whatever that St. Louis are, what they're the Fighting Billikens, apparently. Yeah, the Fighting LSU by four. <laughs> now to Google what a Billiken is. While while I look this up, what do the polls say about how LSU looks in the on the season? Yeah, so they're they're the number sixty team in Massey right now. They're number forty three in Ken Palm, and the polls say that Tech has a twenty one percent chance to win in Massey. Uh, it says LSU will win that game by nine, eighty two to seventy three, and then Ken Palm gives Tech a nineteen percent chance to win, gives uh, LSU an eighty one to seventy one win, and then. ESPN's FPI gives Tech a 20.1% chance to win. So we're really, really averaging it out there. Um, yeah, so I mean, about a one in five chance. I, I don't know. I feel pretty good about it, maybe, yeah. if we play just, well. I just play this game five times. Yeah, real <laughs> quick, before we talk about LSU, though, I looked up what a Billiken was, and I had no idea going into this. Do you all know what a Billiken is? No, I know what their dude looks like. It's like a little blue devil looking thing. Let's the see. Billiken is a charm doll created by an American art teacher and illustrator of Kansas City, Missouri, who is said to have seen a mysterious figure in a dream. And uh, then Wikipedia goes on. Uh, so, okay. Uh, okay. And then in 1909, the Billiken began its appearance in the souvenir shops in Al- in Alaska. 
Interesting that there's nothing whatsoever about that in Kansas City. I have never heard of this, never seen anything. I guess we don't claim it. We gave it to St. Louis, <laughs> which is where we give all of our shit, like the blues. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this doesn't need to become a hockey podcast right now. You can it just rub not. it in that they don't have a football team anymore. They do not. I mean, I don't care about that, so. He does not. <laughs> Gotta hit him where it hurts, man. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, LSU has a very good offensive basketball team. That's really what the strength of this team is. Their defense has not been great. Uh, their effective field goal percentage, which is something that LaTeX Sports Report likes to use a lot, and I had to look up what it meant and then have already forgotten it because it's been a year since we really did basketball <laughs> things. Seventh in the nation at 62.3%. I believe it ranks it gives three-pointers more importance or something. They also don't turn over the ball a lot. 21st in the country at preventing turnovers. 31st. And three-point shooting, 27th and two-point shooting, and 24th and free-throw shooting, and also 7th at preventing turnovers. The team scores, scores, I would say, a lot. SIU, Edwardsville, they scored 94. St. Louis, they scored 85. But when they've had the ball, they've been able to put the ball in the hoop, which is the point of the game. But they haven't been so great on the defensive side of the ball. Effective field goal percentage allowed is 233rd in the country, which for a team ranked as high as LSU is at 43rd. That's that's pretty low. Uh, 3.2 point free throw percentage, 225, 208, 210. So all of that, those are rankings. All of that is is bad if you're looking at LSU. So maybe this is a team that Tech is able to slow down just a little bit and put up enough points to outscore, which is what you always hope to do in a basketball game, this Tiger team <laughs> in Baton Rouge. Uh, looking at the, the team, though, so far, their their biggest contributor is Cameron Thomas. He's a true freshman, or at least a freshman. I don't know his redshirt status. But there are other players that have more minutes than him on the team, but he gets used on the most possessions, which is how Ken Palm really figures a lot of this out. He's become what they call a go-to guy. He's used on over 28% of, his, of the possessions. Over a quarter of the time when LSU takes the ball down court, he has something to do with the scoring play. Still early to see how other things go, but they also have a sophomore, junior, sophomore, freshman, freshman, when we're talking about in terms of how often they're used in a certain play. So this is a young, young Tiger team. Uh, the average experience when it comes to how old a team is in college basketball, usually teams average out to be a 1.75 years of experience. So somewhere between having a bunch of fresh sophomores and juniors. LSU, just barely over a year of experience per player. That's 229th. In the oh, league. Wow. So Tech will play a young Tiger team that's been very good at scoring. So we'll have to see if that's still true. They do play Southeastern. They play the Maravich Assembly Center. They take on Southeastern there before they welcome Tech. And that game's supposed to be even more of a blowout. So hopefully they just overlook Tech and go into the next opponent, South Florida, and Tech can go in there and and beat them. Is <laughs> the only thing I can say about it. I hope, I hope, I hope Tech beats LSU, as I Same. always do. Yeah, uh, of course, we played them a couple of years ago um, down in Baton Rouge. This game was supposed to be the one in Shreveport, right? Or in Bossier. Yes. Originally, uh, at the it was supposed to be played Century at, it's still called Center the CenturyLink Center. Or whatever. Uh, if it's about but, to get renamed like the Seahawks Stadium. <laughs> yeah, a, a couple of years ago, we lost 74 to 67. Pretty close game. See, Xavier Kristen and Amari Archibald combined for 25 points in that game, so... Those two guys obviously still here. Uh, Jacoby Pemberton also added two. So those guys get another chance at them. So 
It'll be interesting to watch this game. And yeah, I guess now we have nothing left to do but make predictions, right? Actually, one more thing. Oh, uh, well, it's not apparently even called the Century Century Link Center anymore, or the Century Tower, or anything. They Those pulled their name off the building uh, this month, a few weeks ago, apparently. Yeah. And they changed their naming rates. So there's a local Shreveport radio station who predicts some names, including the Raisin Cane's Box Combo Arena. Oh, oh my gosh, that's God. amazing. It's, that's, the, let's play all our games there. Why the Box Combo? What? <laughs> There's the Tubbs oh, Hardware Music Center. The I don't get these center. That would be a great name too. I don't get these hyper local Shreveport names. The Gordon McKernan McArena. Hell yeah! <laughs> the uh, I got this one. The Louisiana Boardwalk Part Two. Uh, and then the Zaps Music House. Hell I don't know. yeah! Zaps Music House. That's interesting. Like Zaps Chips. I I guess I don't know. It's spelled the same way. Maybe Zap Brannigan. Either way, maybe if we uh, raise enough money, we can God. sponsor a bowl game and an arena with GoTech. Please don't die. Anyway, let's make our predictions now. I predict that we won't raise enough money to do either of those things. I also <laughs> predict that Tech goes two and one on the week. I think the the men beat wow. Monroe. The women, the women beat Texas, and the men lose wow. to LSU. That's my prediction. The women beat Texas. The women beat Texas. I am known <laughs> to, to to apparently always pick the Tech team to beat Texas. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, uh, for one so far, so the universe owes me. Matt, what you got here? None of that's going to happen except the, for the victory against Monroe. So Tex want to beat LSU? No. <laughs> Stop uh, it. Get some help. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nathan said we were going to lose to LSU, right? Yeah. Oh, Texas in well, women's basketball. Yeah, no. Tech will beat Monroe, but that's it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, te- the men are going to beat Monroe, I got that. Um, LSU, 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 LSU. Hmm. That game's on the 6th. That is Sunday. That doesn't matter. I was just curious when it was. God, I don't know. I want I want one of us to pick it, so I guess I'll say we'll beat LSU. We'll, we'll pull it off. Buzzer beater, two-point win. We hit a three-pointer uh, at the buzzer from half court. Game over. Bulldogs. Uh, and then we get absolutely destroyed by texas the women uh, i think it's a 40 point win for texas yeah, there's just no way that we're consistent enough you know we don't have to be consistent enough we just have to play this one game well that's true that's true but uh no i, I don't see it man after watching what i just watched against grambling i think it's a 40 point win for texas that's that's what i got yeah you may think that it will look like texas is playing a group of children and our tweet of the week <laughs> looks like it was written by a child from La Tech Sports Report, and it's a Dear Santa letter that says, and the <laughs> child's handwriting, look, I think it's crayon, I think. I'm not really sure how this was made, but it says, Dear Santa, <laughs> all we want for Christmas is a full basketball season to win Conference USA and for Isaiah Crawford to be Conference USA Player of the Year. And then it has a child's drawing of the La Tech Sports Report logo, a basketball, and a trophy of first place. And same whichever child drew this. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, maybe his actual child. I don't know if he has children. If not, very good imitation of a child there. Well, they always say we in all their tweets. So maybe the child is one of the staff members and th- maybe that's the intern they're always blaming things on. <laughs> that's that's my guess. Anyway, that about wraps it up for the GoTech Please and Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E or head to our blog where we 
may just relink the previous recap of the North, Tex North Texas game if we did it, or maybe make a new one if we didn't. I haven't checked. That's at gtpdd.dog. And of course, check out the contest if the game does oh, end up shit. getting played. Not yeah, sure I'll how post that, that tomorrow. I'll post it tomorrow. Or it'll be up today when you listen. Tuesday. My favorite part about recording this every week is hearing Evan remember the fact that he has to do a contest <laughs> as we're doing the final credits. Yep. Shit, I better do that now. But again, that blog is gtpdd.dog. That's .dog. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And go tech. Please don't die. Please. Please. That about wraps it up for this oh, episode of the GoTech. We didn't mention that Sneed came back from injury. Damn. Hey, Sneed came back. Yeah, Sneed came back and continued being great. He did. He almost had a pick six off Tom Brady off a juggled uh, halfback reception, which ended up being incomplete. Uh, that was really his. That was really the only time that Sneed got his hands on the ball. But he played excellently. Yeah, you said he was covering the slot, right? He was covering the slot. I don't know how many snaps he took. Uh, I felt like I saw him out there a ton. It's not so easy to discern where he is on the field any longer because he was guarding the number two receiver for the first four weeks, and it was a lot easier to point him out at the bottom of the screen or at the top. Now he kind of blends in with the furniture. But there was one play. Uh, there was one play down at the goal line where uh, Brady threw right over the middle to the slot receiver, and Sneed was there and broke it up and prevented a touchdown. Um, which is really cool. I don't remember who he was guarding on that play, but he did prevent one touchdown. But the very next play, Tom Brady threw a touchdown to Mike Evans, who was not being guarded by Sneed. So I would argue that Sneed would have had a much better day against Evans than uh, some other people did. But he played really well. I mean, he didn't, I mean, no penalties. It's one of those positions, uh, defensive back in the NFL, it's one of those positions where the less you hear the name, the better they've played. Uh, it's one of those just weird oddball positions, probably the only of its kind where if you never hear their name called, it typically means no one's throwing in their direction, which is the best statistic a CB can have. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, just to add on to that, we've got a tweet here from PFF um, saying that in the games he's played five games so far this year, he's given up 81 yards and two, and he has two <laughs> picks. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That is so and, and the tweet says he may legit be the best rookie cornerback in the NFL. And I mean it's hard to argue that. Obviously he's missed he missed a lot of games. Five games, but yeah. I mean it's shoot, again, 81 I, yards in five games, any team in the league will take that. Oh, any absolutely. team in the league. And you have to remember that four of those games were when he was starting against a number two receiver. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going with a different PFF tweet. Right now that PFF ranking, which they get criticized a lot, but there may not be a better cornerback stat because of, like you said, Matt, how difficult it is to to compare that position. PFF gives him a grade of 80.6, which is the highest among rookie cornerbacks and fifth highest among all NFL cornerbacks. So Legeria Sneed is getting it done. But yeah, Sneed's having a hell of a year, even though he missed a lot of games. Uh, look for him to be... I really hope the Chiefs win. I mean, I want the Titans to win the Super Bowl, but if the Titans can't make it to the Super Bowl, I would honestly be rooting for the Chiefs because I really want to see Snead win a Super Bowl. That would be awesome.
It'll be more that, awesome when he gets a pick six in the Super Bowl and becomes MVP. After getting traded to the Saints. Anyway, yes. <laughs> that about wraps it up for the Kotech Please and Die podcast. 